Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Tay with the Airgun Podcast. Just wanted to say thank you for tuning into this episode with Cedric Sophus. He has some really awesome information on big bore air rifles, uh, custom air guns, and long range shooting, specifically with slugs. He's been doing it for 20 years and he has a lot of information. So buckle up and enjoy this. And don't mind the lane lines ringing in the background. I was working. Uh, early one morning at my wife's grandparents house and I hopped in their office to record the podcast and then head out and go do some shooting after that but of course because the house was built in the 1700s they have two landlines in the office which I didn't notice so the phone goes off a couple times I don't know how to mute that kind of thing because it's like a corded phone and I wasn't born in 1950 so anyway disregard that enjoy the episode don't forget to follow Cedric and to like and subscribe to the podcast. Cedric, welcome to the Airgun Podcast. How are things going for you? Things are going pretty well. Um, this is a great way to start my morning uh, doing this podcast with you. So first and foremost, I'd like to say thank you for the invite. Thank you for showing interest. Um, and thanks for joining the Airgun community. Oh, yeah. My pleasure, man. It's It's been a blast. Everyone I've met in this community has been really awesome um, and just super welcoming. So I'm happy to join a community like that. And, um, and thank you for coming on to the podcast. So um, oh, my pleasure, my pleasure. Yeah. Well, Cedric, um, like I said, I, on my Instagram, most people probably know you better by your YouTube username <laughs> than your actual name. Um, Correct. So <laughs> let's just get a few fun facts out there. These don't have to do with air guns at all. What are some fun facts about you, Cedric? Um, I'll, I guess I'll start with my name because I that does come up a lot. And uh, since you mentioned it, I'll kind of give you a short history. Um, the name Too Fast For You, T-O-F-A-Z-F-O-U. That used to be my license plate on my motorcycle. Mm. And I... I was heavy into motorcycles and heavy into air guns. And I love canyon racing because we have a lot of mountains here. And so I kind of came up with that name that I was too fast for people. And me and my wife were juggling some ideas. And she goes, no, you you need to have your license plate say too fast for you. So that way when they read it, when you're in front of them, they're trying to catch you. So that's all they read. And I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) So I pretty much kept that name. And when I... Decided to get into heavy into air gunning and do videos and do my own blog. I was trying to come up with a name and I'm horrible. I am horrible with names. And so the only thing I had was too fast for you. And it just kind of, I tried to make it kind of relate to air guns, meaning I'm always ahead of the person doing something else, which, you know, we'll get into that later. But I guess that's why I started shooting slugs Mm -hmm. because nobody else was doing it. So it kind of went with the name, right? You know, I was faster, faster than where we, where everybody else was at. Um, but that's the history on my name. Um, other fun facts besides the name, I guess I'm nerdy and kind of passionate when it comes to things that I love, like motorcycle racing and or air guns, um, mm-hmm. all facets of both sports. Um, I also have a extensive background in a uh, Taekwondo. Um, when I was in Texas, I was a competed in on the state level 
um, every year. And I was heavy, heavy into martial arts. And I still am, just not on the competition level. But right. I enjoy all things martial arts. Um, and that's pretty much it. I mean, I guess those are three things that are factual and fun about me. That's awesome, man. So motorcycles, air guns, and taekwondo. Yeah, I guess all the deadly stuff, I guess. <laughs> the dangerous things. Yeah, that didn't sound too bad to me. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, Cedric, um, I mean, you've already mentioned it was slugs. Uh, what was it that got you originally into air guns? What was like your, your first one or, or the experience that, that led you there? Um, my history with air guns actually started when I was nine. Um, growing up in Texas, I'm from originally from Houston, Texas. Mm -hmm. And of course, being from Texas, everybody has guns of some sort. And, uh, my uncle always had a crossman. I can't remember if it was a pump master or a power master because there were two, two versions, but the, I think it was a pump master. Um, but that's the BB gun that we had. And since he was about nine or 10 years older than me, you know, we always kind of, he was the guy always teaching me how to shoot. Mm-hmm. And um, we'd always practice with the, with the, the uh, BB gun. And it was just a, a, a growing passion from there. It's like having 22s and shotguns and 270 Winchesters. I was always around that stuff. Um, but the air gun thing, air, the small stuff always stuck with me. So 22 long rifles and air guns. And believe it or not, my wife actually calls me Ralphie because that was me. I was the, every year, my, without question i would ask for an air gun and a racetrack the little tyco uh electric racetrack yeah. and my mom's just like why do you want an air gun every year and i was just like i i want this model i want this model so that's where the passion for air guns um started and obviously i did get air guns like ralphie i did get my air guns and every other year every two or three years i got a new air gun and I was actually a very staunch Crossman fanatic because that's what I grew up on. Yeah. I didn't like Daisy. I didn't like Marksman. And back then, all we had was pretty much Daisy and Marksman, Crossman. And if you were rich, you might have had a Beeman, but that was way out of our price range. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it was Crossman it was. That's awesome. So- and uh, yeah. Oh, ahead. no, keep going. Keep, keep telling us more. Um, so if you fast forward throughout life, my teens and, you know, when I started working on my own, I always had a BB gun, um, and, or a pellet rifle. And as I got older, obviously I started working and the treat to myself, I think when I was in my early, early or late teens, I mean, I bought a Benjamin Sheridan Mm. because I'd always wanted one because of the power. And back then, when they made air guns, like my uncle's Crossman, it was all steel and all wood. So the barrel was steel, the uh, bolt was real brass, Mm -hmm. the receiver was metal, some type of pot metal, and the the stock and the forearm, the butt stock and the forearm were 
actually real wood. And my uncle still has that gun to this day. It doesn't work, but he still has it to this day. <laughs> um, and just knowing that, I wanted better air guns. So as I got older, like I said, when I got a job and started working, I bought a Benjamin Sheridan because it made more power than the Crossman did. And when I bought that gun, that kind of gave me a taste of, you know, a lot more power and a lot more accuracy. Right. And, you know, I'd always said one of these days I want to have some nice air guns. And I used to look at Beeman catalogs, you know, throughout my teens and throughout my uh, young adulthood. But those guns were like $400 for a brake barrel. Right. Even, you know, back in the 80s, that was absurd. Like, you would never spend that kind of money on an air gun. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't until... Pretty much when I moved to California in 97, I got married in 97, moved to California eight days later, and I got my first job like eight weeks after I moved here. And I had said, I want to start picking up in the, the air gun world because now I'm an adult, now I'm married, you know, I need better, better air guns, better things. And so I started looking into the adult air gun and I mean, man, things had really, really changed um, because now you had the computer. <laughs> um, you were able to go online and, and shop online or like look at things all around the world. Mm -hmm. And when, when that happened, my eyes were really just like, whoa, you know, the air guns are, they're kind of like, you know, like, like real guns, but you know, they're not, they're just right. a lot more advanced mm -hmm. than what I was used to as a, as a kid. And after I got into the elevator trade in 99, uh, then I could really afford an air gun, a nice mm -hmm. air gun. And that's kind of where it all started. I, my inspiration was actually Eric Henderson, um, who runs the YouTube channel of uh, air, um, what is it called? The, uh, I just had it in my head. Oh, now I can't think. <laughs> Wait. Adventures, at, Adventures of Field. I just oh, said it in man. my head. But he, yeah, yeah, he runs Adventures of Field. And I actually, he was my inspiration because that was the first time I had seen an air gun kill a pig or a deer. Right. And when I saw that, it was like, okay, game over. I have to have one of these. I'd love to meet this guy. Um, and actually, Eric Henderson... Randy Mitchell and Jim Chapman. And you're talking way back in the early, late nineties, very, very early, like year 2000. Mm -hmm. I was watching these guys kill stuff in Africa with air guns. And I had never heard that before. Right. And so Eric was the guy that I looked up to because he was from Texas. So of course I admired that. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that these guys would go around the world and all throughout Texas killing pigs and deer, you know, that was kind of what I wanted to do. And going back a little bit, even when I was nine years old, even when I was 12, 15, 16, 17, 20, when I shot with my family, we always competed. So it was always who can shoot the furthest, who can hit something way the heck out there. So kind of bleeding into today, my history of shooting long range and big boards comes from way back when I was a kid. 
because it was always a, a test for me to outshoot my uncles right. and my cousins. And that's kind of how my long range, um, I guess, love or passion started. Mm. And so moving today, when I saw Eric, or say the year 99, when I saw Eric Henderson shooting pigs and deer, I was like, whoa. And then I saw he was using like conical bullets. I mean, my mind was like mind blown. Right. I was like, wait a minute, an air gun that's shooting a lead conical bullet? <laughs> and even back then, I was already casting, or not casting, but I was um, hand loading right. for, my, for my powder burners. So it was kind of a natural progression because I already had some of the equipment and I was familiar with the equipment that I would get into casting my own bullets. Um, so that's kind of how that passion also came about. I didn't start casting in 2000, but basically I started buying the high dollar air guns, the Theoban Rapids, the, um, some of the other Crossmans, the low gun solos, mm -hmm. the BSA rifles. Um, and then after having all those guns, I mean, I'm kind of, I'm kind of jumping back and forth, but you know, I'm just kind of taking you along the story of how, what I do today, how it all started to get to where it is. Um, when I, the more money that I made, obviously the more air guns and the better air guns that I bought. Right. And I'm open. I'm not jumping too far ahead, but kind of <clears throat> when I, when I would buy air guns being try not to go back too much, but just kind of letting you know my history and how it all correlates to air oh, guns. Yeah, keep it going. I was always, yeah, I was always mechanical as a kid because my, you know, when, where I grew up, I'm not saying we were dirt poor. We were, we were poor. So I grew up with a bunch of uncles and cousins that had to work on their own vehicles. They had to do their own housework. Mm. So I was always very mechanical and I was always very inquisitive to how things work ever since I was a kid, even before air guns. Um, I was the first kid to take Tonka trucks. Uh, and some of the older guys might remember Tonka trucks. I was the only kid I knew that could tear one of those up and they were supposed to be undestructible. <laughs> <laughs> and I always like to take them apart and see if I can put them back together. So moving forward, when it came to air guns, because I was always inquisitive because I love long range shooting and because I like to kind of modify things. It just kind of took that natural progression that after I started buying the high dollar air guns, it hit me. I said, you know what? I know how I can be different than everybody else. I can start modifying air guns. And so that in the early 2000s, I started taking everything I had apart and figuring out how it worked. And on some of the forums, I would put up pictures and, you know, snapshots of me taking guns apart so at one point a lot of people were like dude that is the neatest thing i've ever seen you like organized from the first screw to the last screw and then put it all back together <laughs> um and and that's just the way i've always been so leading up to today because i've always taken things apart because i'm interested in long range that's kind of why today i have all the custom air guns and almost everything that i have i take it apart and transform it to something else or modify it because it's just not, it's, it's like just a natural thing for me to do. It's not a insult to the manufacturer. It's not, um, you know, me trying to bad mouth a product. It's just, that's just my personality. Right. You know, 
like the gun works fine, but I want a different caliber. I want a caliber that is not out there that no one has. And so, you know, like I said, that kind of just leads up into what I do today, just being the curious uh, kid who loves to build things with his hands and take things apart and see how things work. And, and who also likes to shoot long range. So when you have all that, now you can take any kind of air gun, like say Air Force Texan, and now I can do a barrel swap and a valve mod. And all of a sudden now I'm making 200, 300 more foot pounds or whatever. And the accuracy, you know, the accuracy is there because I'm, I spend so much time tuning the gun and getting it like perfect. Right. So that's kind of, that's kind of how I got started in air guns. Those are like all my, the, the people who influenced me, my uncle, my grandfather, some of my cousins, and then, you know, me keeping that passion throughout time because I always loved air guns. And it's just today, the world, as far as air guns are concerned, are much better than where we were back in the 70s and the 80s and the, even the 90s. Oh, yeah, for sure. No doubt about that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can even testify to that. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. Just even since I've been in the the air gun world, you know, for like five years or so, there, there have been huge changes and things. And so Cedric, you've been shooting slugs for a while then. Um, and you know, now it seems to be kind of like a trendy thing, you know, slugs are coming onto the scene. Um, right. So you have a ton of experience with slugs and casting your own and that kind of thing. What do you think um, was your, what surprised you the most about slugs when you first got into it, you know, with an extensive background shooting, just pellets and BBs before, what was it with the slugs that kind of surprised you? Um, the fact, getting kind of tech, kind of technical, but the fact that they equated a lot to what a powder burner round would do. Right. Just not with as much ex explosive force, but I mean, as far as like the mushrooming, as far as the um, the BC is concerned, um, they do totally mimic for our velocities, the fact that we're shooting 950 to 1000 versus 3000 PSI, that they still do perform like you think a powder burner bullet or a center fire bullet would do just at a, a lower capacity because of the limited velocity. Right. Um, and I remember, I can tell you a short story. I was a member, I'm still a member on the Talon Air Gun Forum. Right. And I remember when I bought my first Air Force, it was a, and I think my first Air Force was 2006. Um, I bought a 22 caliber Talon. So it had an 18 inch barrel with a Talon valve kind of playing gun and I would shoot, shoot pellets and I go to the desert. Um, and this is, this is going back, this is answering your question, but kind of going back also to, to my passion for long range. Well, when I came to California and I bought that condor and I went to, or the Talon and I went to the desert, well, the desert is vast and you're shooting at like jackrabbits and coyotes and stuff. And they don't have a, a certain distance that they stop at. You know, so you have to be ready for a 50-yard shot, and you have to be ready for a 150-yard shot. And I kind of noticed the pellets were pretty anemic. 
and they did find up until 100 yards, but it seemed like you had to, like, really know your finer points in the scope once you got further out. So I started looking into um, – well, I was also – I was still shooting pellets, but I go – I shoot, like, Eugens because Eugens were a little bit more streamlined than a regular, like, JSV pellet. Right. And they were and they were heavier, so I tuned the gun to shoot those pretty hot. And what I found out was, when I shot at a hundred yards, those pellets were still going through jugs or going through whatever it was that I shot. And I remember way back then in the early two thousands, people were like, "Nah, there's no way you're shooting that gun a hundred yards." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "Yeah, it's easy." And they're like. Yeah, like show us proof, you know, and that's kind of how I started the video video thing. And guys were like, no, there's no way you're shooting 100 yards and there's no way that pellet is going through a a milk jug. And so I would take pictures and video and stuff like that. And what I kind of noticed was that natural progression of shooting BBs to shooting pellets to needing something a little bit more advanced. And because I'd already had experience in reloading, because I'd already been reloading for many years by this time, my own ammo. I was like, I need to get into, um, I need to get into uh, casting my own bullets. So I started looking stuff up online and I was like, wow, what if I, you know, what if I took a barrel for like say a 257 and put it in this gun and, and up the valve and then start casting these ledge bullets and once I figured it all, it took me a few years, but once I figured it all out and I would go out and shoot, I mean, man, you talking about a tremendous, tremendous mm-hmm. difference. And even back then in 2005, six, seven, eight, I was preaching, man, these guns can really shoot long range. And I mean, everybody, all the people today that shoot long range were the same people that were telling me, no, 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 there's no way. There's no, there's no way. And I'm like, no, I'm telling you, look, I took video, I took pictures and people were like, oh, you were faking videos. You know, back then, that's what I got a lot of. Oh, you fake, you edited the video. I'm like, you know, what do you mean? I edited the video. I'm not even good at editing and there's no way I can make something look fake like that, you know? And I was, that, that kind of went, I can't say I was the first guy shooting slugs, but I was the next generation after Eric, Randy, and Jim Chapman. And that they those guys were my, like, hey, where'd you guys get this from? How do you guys go? Oh, this guy makes bullets. I'm like, oh, somebody makes those? So I was like, you know what? I need to start casting. I need to buy molds. I need to start doing this stuff myself and get really heavy into it. So I got more into, they were more into the hunting side of it. I was more into the long range slash slash hunting so i wanted i wanted accuracy i wanted something that would go further flatter right those guys were shooting like if it was a 45 cal they were shooting 400 and something grain bullets at like 750 feet per second and while that sounds slow that's plenty of power to kill a pig at 40 50 yards and that's what those guys were doing so i'm like wait a minute i could take what they're doing and do this and shoot further. And it was kind of like, I was getting a lot of flack. Like, no, that's unethical. You don't want to even start thinking about doing stuff like that. And I'm, you know, kind of like, no, it can be done. I'm telling you guys, modding these valves, putting a different. So that's kind of how my big bore long range uh, quest started. And the custom quest 
And when you shoot these guns, when you shoot a slug versus a pellet, yeah, accuracy for accuracy at closer ranges, most of the time pellets are going to give you the all-out better accuracy, no doubt about that, because that's what they're designed to do. They're designed over hundreds of years or a hundred years to shoot very small groups right. at close range. Whereas a slug will shoot a group just a little bit bigger and it stays more consistent, but it delivers more power and more range. So those are more for the long range shooting. Um, and once, once people actually started coming around, I mean, you could, you know, even today, how many posts do you see on, on Instagram, Facebook, or any of the air gun forums? A guy says, oh, I got my first 257, and I shot, you know, 175 yards, and they're, like, totally blown off their rocker. And I'm laughing, like, yeah, told you guys that 20 yeah. years ago, you know. <laughs> you know, not 20 years ago, but 15, 15, 20 years ago. And it's nice that people are starting to see that, that natural progression that, Hey, these things can, can really perform further at longer ranges. And, uh, it's, 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 it's something to get involved in. And, you know, I, shooting slugs is just, it just elevates the game to a whole nother level. And I know people say, well, it brings an air gun closer to a powder burner. No, it doesn't. I, I don't ever think we'll ever get to that point. We'll never, we'll never have an air gun that can make fifty to sixty thousand right. psi. Yeah, that's that's like a does. crazy. That's crazy talk. Yeah, and, yeah, and we don't even need to. I mean, I wouldn't even. What would be the point? Right, you just buy a, a, a powder burner at that point. Exactly. So I, 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 that's kind of the progression. I mean, well, I shouldn't say kind of the progression, but the the slugs finally have come around. And that's what we've progressed to because enough manufacturers and enough people, um, Air Force, uh, you know, some of the other agon manufacturers like AOA, who makes the Bushbook, mm -hmm. um, Evonics, uh, Sam Yang, those people have finally come around and realized that, you know, slugs have a place in this, in this sport and that there is definitely uh, – an advantage to using them, especially for hunting. First, you know, a few weeks ago when I was in Utah with the guys from Utah Air Guns, we went out uh, to a, a property to take care of some ground squirrels. And I was shooting a 25 cal. And uh, I, my furthest kill of the day was 220 yards with a 25 cal hybrid slug that the FX is making or the, the rat sniper slugs. Nice. Congrats. Yeah. Thank you. It was, it was pretty crazy just, you know, because I, I – I'd shot close to a hundred yards of pellets before uh, it was mm -hmm. with my FX streamline in 25. Um, but I'd never, and that was just target shooting. I hadn't gone after any live game. So uh, right. yeah, hitting something at 220 yards with an air rifle to me was just mind blowing in itself. So I'm, I'm definitely interested in shooting slugs and getting a, a gun that has a little bit more power behind it than right. You know, I could mod out my Dreamline a little bit and put a plenum on there or put a bottle and up the reg pressure or something like that. But, um, yeah, slugs, my interest is definitely peaked here uh, with after that experience for sure and, uh, and, and going bigger. So what, what right. would you say is your typical go-to 
slug gun caliber, make, all that? Um, you're probably uh, going to hate me for this answer. Um, <laughs> it, it's hard for me to have a favorite because what I've done over time, like just like now you're talking about modding your, your gun out or finding another gun that mm-hmm. makes enough power for you to make further shots. That's kind of what I realized through my journey is like, okay, a Benjamin Marauder is just a Benjamin Marauder and it should stay a 50 foot pound gun or 42. Can you make it make more power? Yes, but it doesn't have the shot capacity. Right. So then I start looking for another gun that would say, okay, here's my, here's my backyard plinking gun. And then now I want something to shoot, you know, out to 200 yards or 300 yards. Okay, now I took a Condor and I made a 257 out of it. Then I would say, okay, now that gun accomplishes, it, it accomplishes a lot. It can shoot targets close range. It can blast stuff. It can shoot two, 300 yards. It can shoot 400 yards plus. Okay, that's cool. And then I say, well, that's not what I would consider a deer or a pig gun. So now I need a bigger gun, not to shoot long range, but something to smash big game so right. then i you know the, the badger which was a 40 caliber i changed it to 375 um nothing wrong with 40 caliber that's just my personality i take something and i make it i make it mine and i make it different i don't like having the same thing everybody else has um so then i say okay well i have a, a pig gun for 50 60 70 yards great caliber a lot of ammo available now I still need something to shoot long range, but I need something that has more weight to it. That's therefore going to have a, a, a high, well, not necessarily a higher BC because of the weight, but a caliber that will have more weight that also will offer higher BC. And that's how the 338 came about. Mm-hmm. Because now I want something to shoot the same distances as a 257, but I want it to buck the wind better. Right. You know what I mean? So you're, oh, yeah. you're, you, 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 I tell people all the time, like, look, you have all the time in the world. Don't try to buy one gun and make it do 50 things. Buy a gun, like you said, FX impact. You can buy one to have it shoot strictly competition um, at 100 yards for the EBR or RMAC. You can buy another impact, say a 357, and mod it to where it's making 180, maybe 200 foot pounds. That might be your pig gun or or you know whatever whatever it is and then you say well okay now i need something to actually i want to shoot 400 yards well while those guns can shoot 400 yards there's there's a better choice right so now you might want a i'm just throwing stuff out there you might want a condor uh 457 or a texan 457 you might want a, a bush buck from aoa in 452 caliber that makes 600 foot pounds that gun is better suited for shooting long range because you're shooting a heavier bullet with a much higher BC than what a suede slug offers. You understand? Oh yeah, for sure. That definitely makes sense. So, so it, 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 it's hard for me to say I have a favorite because I've tuned all my guns for whatever they are, they're pinpoint for that directive. Um, and I guess that's a, 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 I can't say it's a bad thing. It's just, it's hard for me to really answer that question because 
because all my guns are so fun. <laughs> and it just depends on what I'm doing. Um, you know, because if I say one, then they're gonna, somebody might say, well, what's wrong with the other guns? It's like, well, it, you know, it's nothing wrong with it. Right. I, 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 realistically, I don't have a favorite. I love them all the same because they, they all serve a purpose and they all serve that. They do that. They perform that purpose very well. Right. Well, the, yeah, that's actually, that's a really good answer, you know, and, and that's something, you know, that's just good general information for people to consider is that, you know, your, your one gun, sh you know, can't do it all. So, you know, get a, get a few that do these specific things and make sure they do them really well. So we, yeah, go ahead. If, if we go back to that, uh, the Badger, the 40 cal, what was the reasoning behind modifying it to be a 375? Okay, so going back to Eric Henderson back in the early 2000s, um, Dennis Quackenbush, I'm not sure if you're familiar with him. Oh, yeah. He's an air gun maker. Okay, so that was the Eric Henderson had a Quackenbush 375, and I always wanted one of those guns. And if the listeners or you know anything about DAQ, you have to put yourself on a list and there's only 50 spots a year. So he only makes 50 guns a year. There's a lot of people that can never get on that list, including me. Mm -hmm. So I always said, you know what, when the right gun comes, I'm going to build a 375. And I can't really give an explanation as to why 375 of all calibers. Number Well, number one, it's different. I guess I could. Number one, it's different from, from 457 or from 50 or from 357. Mm -hmm. Number two, the 375 in powder burner realm actually has a really good history of, even though it's a big bore bullet, it's extremely accurate for some reason. Right. And you know, maybe caliber, maybe barrel design or something to that effect, but they've always been really accurate. So I seen Eric hunt with the 375 and I'm not, I love, I love big boars. I love fifties and four, 457s. But after being involved with air guns for over 20 something years, well, in the, in the big boar, uh, adult air gun realm, I've realized the bigger, the bigger, the caliber, the more air you consume. Mm -hmm. so then you get to a point do I need a 50 caliber to take a pig if I'm only shooting 40 yards no I don't <laughs> because yeah. there are so many other smaller calibers that would do the same thing so my thinking was the 375 is a great middleweight round that can kill pigs and deer and still be somewhat efficient and you still have the the ability to shoot long range mm round because it is a very uh excellent it's a, it's a very good long range round um so that gun kind of does even though it's not super powerful it does a lot right and and, and it's different <laughs> it is different yeah yeah and, and that's again that's my forte i'm i'm the guy that i'll take something in like a 22 and make it a 20 caliber people say why 20 caliber because it's different Hey, fair enough. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so even though there's a lot of other variables um, in this or behind this question, in your experience, what caliber slug 
have you had really good um, results with when it comes to long range accuracy? Um, I'm actually really having a lot of luck with the seven millimeter um, and the TJ barrel. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also having a lot of luck with the 338 and the 375. And that's not, that's not to exclude the 257 and the 17, but there's something different about those guns. Like my Corsair seven millimeter, it used to be 308. When I first bought the Corsair it was 308 and it stayed that way for a few years. And then I switched it to seven millimeter. Um, it's got a one in 14 twist barrel and I shoot 120 grain uh, cast bullets at about nine, 925, 930. And it just seems to be the right combination. No matter when I pull that gun out, no matter what I shoot, it's just always, I mean, dead on always. Hmm. So it, it more, more so probably more so than my other guns. But like I said, that's, that's not really excluding the 338 or the 375. Um, that caliber and that gun has been with me for a while. Just uh, actually, I built that gun a little after I built my 257. And the seven millimeter is just, it's such a neat little round and it's a great way to bullet. And like I said, the barrel comp, the barrel twist rate, along with that specific bullet that I have, it's just such a uh, awesome, awesome round for what it is. It's a great coyote round. It's a great blasting round. It's a good target shooting round. And it's a good long range round. Um, I did this little, I mean, it's kind of off, off the narrow path here, off the beaten path here, but kind of on that same question. I did a test here. You asked me a question about the advancement of cast bullets and slugs. Mm-hmm. A couple guys were talking on the, uh, I think the GTA. And one guy was saying hollow points are kind of a farce. Our cast bullets are, well, cast hollow point bullets were a farce. They, they don't perform as well as people make them seem like they do. Mm-hmm. So I kind of lit a fire under my butt. And I said, well, I know what he's getting at. Let me, I can make a post out of this. Because I take information. I'm like a comedian. I take things that happen in life and I make a story out of it. Right. So when the guy said that, I said, let me grab my seven millimeter. And I went to the store and I bought one of those two and a half gallon uh, water jugs that you put in your refrigerator and you pull that little plug at the bottom to fill your, your cup. Yeah. So I bought one of those. I filled it up. And then, um, well, of course, I drank the water, but then I refilled it with tap water. And sealed it up, and then I bought a one-gallon. I already had a couple of one-gallon milk jugs, so I brought three one-gallon milk jugs with me, and I set that those up at 435 yards, and I lined them up perfectly. I drove back. I took my seven millimeter, and I took one of those 120 grain hollow points, and I think it took me about four shots to hit dead center. And believe it or not, it went through the, at 435 yards, it went through the two and a half gallon water jug and into the first one gallon water jug. And I found it in the bottom of that one gallon water jug 
perfectly expanded, like something you'd see out of a Hornady or a Nosler um, catalog. Wow. So I went back and I did a story. I said, you guys can believe it or not, I actually shot it on video. And I said, here, watch this. And I said, even at that distance, at that slow of a speed, that bullet still managed to perfectly mushroom and then travel through a two and a half gallon water jug and, and, and three quarters of the way through a one gallon and still expand. And so that goes back to that question when we were talking about how advanced or slugs or what shocked me. That's one, <laughs> that's one of the things that shocked even me because at that point I didn't know, and this was only, what's this, 2020? This might've only been five years ago, six years ago. It, maybe that's even too too long ago mm-hmm. because I've never I've never shot anything that far away that I could find the bullet. And so I was curious to see, you know, how advanced are these things? We know they're more accurate. We know they have a higher PC, but does a hollow point actually perform at range like that? Right. And, and believe it or not, that thing mushroomed more than halfway down the bullet. Whoa. More than halfway. And I mean picture perfect like you could sit on the base and it looked like something out of a nozzler catalog like it got shot into a cape buffalo from a powder burner or something <laughs> so wild. that just shows you yeah that that shows you when you use pure lead or like lead and tin that you know these things really even at the slower speeds uh well below subsonic they really do still perform like a powder burner or a center fire, you just don't have as much velocity and as much foot pounds of energy. Right. And so and that kind of, that guy, yeah, go ahead. No, go, go, go for it. I was going to say, and that guy, when I did the post, he said, well, man, I'm, 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 I'm almost, I feel like I should apologize. I said, no, you actually, you actually brought up a good point and it's okay. Sometimes if you doubt something, but if somebody, I said, what I like about it is you doubted it. I proved it to myself and to you and to the community. And then you became a believer. I said, so see, I respect you a lot more. And it was kind of cool. And me and him have been friends ever since because he was just kind of coming into it saying, oh, there's no way these, he wasn't like bashing air guns. He just couldn't believe. He didn't believe that there was a need for a hollow point. Right. He just said, well, flat point around those is all you need. Hollow points don't work. And when he said that, I was like, oh, really? They don't work? Okay, I'm going to prove to you that they do. And when he saw the video and he saw the slug, he was like, I just cannot believe it. I cannot believe a lead slug at only 900 feet per second at the muzzle still had enough energy at that range. And I'll tell you, I'll add one more thing to that. Um, I was talking to my uncle about that that day. And my uncle was kind of like, yeah, air guns, they're kids, toys. I don't believe a lot of the stuff. And he knows I know a lot about, he calls me Professor, um, Professor BC. <laughs> but uh, I told him, I said, well, I did the BC number on this bullet. And then, believe it or not, at a mile away, 1,760 yards, 5,280 feet, that bullet is still going well over 440 feet per second. No way. Yeah. Holy yep. smokes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the 338, I did the BC on that one, and I did the um, all-out range, and I think it's like 22, 
2,200 yards, and it arrives at 2,200 yards with 100 and I forget I forget the exact numbers, but I mean it's basically when the when the bullet falls on its face where it won't go anymore, right. it's down to like 100 and something feet per second. That's basically 2,200 yards. Holy smokes! So you're, yeah, <laughs> but like I tell people. We're just talking about all our range. We're not saying you can hit anything. Now, of course, I couldn't hit anything at over a mile away or even at a mile. Right. But the ability to travel that far. So when we talk about the advancement of slug of projectiles, we have come a long way. And it's kind of a good thing and a bad thing because the, the good thing is that we're making progress and people have the ability to take bigger games, shoot further than they ever have with just an air gun. And I, I will admit, we also are in that realm where, you know, the somebody somewhere starts knowing too much about air guns and it's like, Oh, well they can do this. They can do that. And it's a bad thing. And it's like, well, it's not, it's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's just, you know, the technology has always been there. We are just now discovering it. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. So, yeah, they come very far, man. Yeah, it's crazy. So you were you were like the very first guy I ever saw shooting big board stuff on, on YouTube when I first got into this. And I saw – I think you had a Texan maybe, and you were shooting a coyote in the, the desert, which I never – That was my 257. Yeah, yeah. I, I never even imagined an air gun taking anything bigger than like a rabbit before – you know, because I, I just had experience with, you know, just a, you know, like a pump master or, you know, like a brake barrel from Walmart or something like that, um, which did right. just fine for me. It did, did what I needed him to do, but I didn't even know more existed. So once I found out about PCPs, you know, YouTube, whatever the algorithm led me to, to your channel and I started watching your stuff and I started seeing your long range stuff and shooting prairie dogs and like ground squirrels and stuff like that at super long ranges and then seeing that you were using slugs which that was just crazy to me i I, again you know i i guess it's just ignorance you know if you really think about it of course it makes sense that if it's sized correctly you could shoot pretty much any shape out of the barrel that you wanted to but it just was a whole new world for me um and then yeah you captured my attention when it came to big boars and slugs and long range shooting and then it's just, it's so crazy, you know, how it kind of, how it all starts. Yeah. But um, what, what would you say to someone coming from the firearms world? Cause you mentioned your, your uncle saying like, oh, you know, air guns are just toys, blah, blah, blah. What, what would right. you, what advice would you give to someone who is kind of on that same level or that same mindset that air guns are just toys? How would you convert them? Um, if it's somebody that I know personally, like a coworker or someone who, who kind of shows an interest, but kind of doubts, um, the first thing I would do is set up a weekend with them where they can go out with me and shoot, shoot my stuff. Um, because hands-on, if, if it's, if it's possible, hands-on is normally the best way because anyone can say anything about anything and make it sound great. Words are just words. Um, but if it's someone like my uncle who lives in Texas and he says, hey, I, I, you know, I, I keep looking at your YouTube channel for all these years, man, and I'm seeing you doing some crazy stuff. 
I kind of want to give it a try, but, um, you know, what would you recommend or what would, you know, if, if he's a first time air gunner, then I would actually sit down and do the 50 questions, not 50 questions. I'll say that, but mm-hmm. not really 50, but I would sit down and ask him, you know, what do you want to do? Do you want to shoot the squirrels out of your backyard? Do you want to, um, kill pigs and stuff like that? And, whatever he decides that he wants to do, I'd have to explain to him everything that's involved because I, I, I like to let people know, like, if you want to just shoot a squirrel in your backyard, you can go buy a a Springer. Right. You know what I mean? Because I think the powder burner guy, when he hears PCP, he says, Oh yeah, great. A thousand feet per second. Oh, that is so awesome. But then when you tell him the gun alone costs $2,000, they don't like that. Right. Now you might let them shoot your, if you can let them shoot your FX or your day state, they would probably go buy it. But if they can't get it, if they can't access it and shoot it that day, just telling them that, Hey, here's an air gun for you, but it's two grand. They would say, no, most people would say, I don't think so. Yeah. Um, so I, I kind of, to get people that I can't actually give a gun to or let them shoot it or go shooting with them. I start them off in a price range that like, the two, three, $400 price range to get them into it. And then, you know, if they want to see something further, like, Hey, go watch a lot of YouTube videos. Um, go do this, go, you know, go, go look at what this guy's doing. Look at what I'm doing because the next step is this, but I think, I think you have to explain, especially the PCP side of it. Cause you're talking, you know, 1200 to $2,000 or to 2200 for an air gun. Mm-hmm. Then you're talking, a minimum, most people now, three, four hundred dollars minimum for a scope. Then, you know, six hundred dollars for a carbon fiber tank. You know, as you can see, the price is up near the, the four thousand dollar mark. Right. So that I don't do. <laughs> I normally don't tell people to start with PCPs. Mm-hmm. I normally say try Springer, you know, try something. So that way you kind of take the sticker shock and then you let them get hooked or you said, hey, go get like a gauntlet, you know, Umarix gauntlet or something like that. That's only two, three hundred dollars. Get you a, a UTG scope. That's one hundred and fifty bucks and maybe get a little buddy bottle. Um, and then sometimes air is what's hard for people too, Right. Because now you get into compressors or you get into dive shops, which somebody may not have a dive shop. So I try to stay away from the PCP. And then, you know, that's why I say I ask them the 50 questions. Yeah, that's a good tactic. It ends up being, yeah, it ends up being about fifty questions because you you start asking like, well, do you have a dive shop? Well, what's a dive shop? What's a scuba mm-hmm. shop? Uh, yeah, like there's there's one fifty miles. Like, oh nope, you don't want a PCP because now they have to get a compressor, they have to get the right carbon fiber, the all the the fittings, and it gets to be uh, overwhelming. Yeah, definitely. So I would definitely start a Springer. That that's good advice. And w- would you send them to to Walmart for a Springer or would you send them to like a dealer or something like that online? Um, it depends on the, the person. Um, I would tell them either big five or depending on where they live, Academy Dick's sporting goods. Um, I know, I know a few sporting good places off the top of my head around the U S they're kind of common to all the States. Mm-hmm. And I would tell them, go there because i mean most of the time you're going to find the same stuff gamo 
uh, Winchester, Ruger, you know, which are the really cheap ones. Right. Um, you'll find, uh, what's the other, uh, Crossman Benjamin. I tell somebody definitely get a, a Benjamin, uh, break barrel. Those are actually pretty good. And, you know, start from there. And like, like my uncle, I've, I've told my uncle, Hey, if you want me to ship you a gun, I don't mind shipping it to you. And I have a, a small tank that I can send with air and you can actually take it out and try it. And he was like, no, 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 no. I said, well, you know, I'd want you to somebody like him. It's a little bit easier for me to send him stuff. Right. Even though it's even though it's co it's costly and I have to worry about if I'm going to get it back broken or not. Um, but he's my uncle, you know, but a, for a friend, it's like either go out with me or go here. As a matter of fact, I have you're asking that question. I have a buddy at work that he's got a lot of pigeons out by his house and he knows I'm in the air guns. So he's always asking me, like, which one to buy. And I'm like, I can I can give you like one of like my Crossman, my little Crossman disco bill, my modded out disco mm -hmm. gun with the 24 inch barrel. I can give you that thing and I'll give you a tank because I work with him so I can get it. I can always fill the tank or give him another tank, take the empty one back. Right. And he's uh, I'm going to take you up on that one day. I'm going to take you up. So it's funny that you asked that question. It just reminded me. I'm actually going to let this guy use one of my setups to get rid of some pigeons by his that's house. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just whenever he's ready. And that's the kind of stuff we have to kind of be willing to do. It's like be willing to convert the powder burner guy by giving him a lot of information, giving him a lot of links. Or if you know that guy personally, he's your neighbor around the street and he's been a family friend, take a gun over to him and let him try it or take him out with right. you and actually let him teach him you know how to shoot it what slugs or what pellets to shoot in it you know and just kind of showing because we we actually are converting a lot there's a lot of powder burner guys um, getting into the air gun world a lot yeah i hope they keep coming over I, it's just a it's a fun sport and i one of the biggest draws for me was just how versatile they are compared to a firearm like you know you you can pretty much mod any air gun, you know, some are easier than others, but you can pretty much modify it to have a, a lot different capacity than when you first got it. And that with how quiet they are as well, and they're not considered firearms in most places, you know, you can shoot them in a lot more places and you couldn't just go out in your backyard in the city and, you know, sling rounds out of your 22 long rifle, but you can, you know, probably have a pretty decent setup with a PCP or a, you know, even a brake barrel and still be shooting a 22 caliber round in your backyard safely. Yeah. You actually bring up a really good point. Going back to your question, what would you tell the powder burner guy? One of the things that I have told a lot of guys um, and you made the point is today, you know, we, we, I don't know, ever since Obama and now Trump, we've kind of gone into this whole, like, gun scare. It's gotten really bad in the last, like, 10 mm -hmm. years or more. And I tell a lot of powder burner guys, like, look, you know, the LDC thing, the, the, the power level is a lot less, but still they have a capability to shoot far. And that's an actually really good selling point because a lot of powder burner or centerfire guys – especially around the country, not so much here in California, but around the country, 
where people can have silencers and stuff, that rings a bell to them when they hear like, wait, wait, an air gun is silent? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And you're telling me it has the power of a 22 long rifle? Yeah. See, now they'll spend the money. And I've seen that. Right. So you brought up a good you brought up a good point. That's a quick way to convert a powder burner, guys. Tell them is, is to preach the silence. You know, hey, these things are quiet with all the stuff happening with gun rights and gun possession and ammo sales and the lack of ammo. We now have air guns that we can take out, say, to the desert. I can shoot jackrabbits all day. No one would ever know I'm out there. They just see a guy walking around, but they'd never hear me shoot. Right. Whereas when you have a powder burner, you know, the pow, 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 some point that's going to bring attention. Oh, yeah. You still might be, yeah, you're still, you're still in a place where it's legal to hunt, but unfortunately, everybody's a tattletale today. So they just see somebody in the desert with a gun and the sheriff's come out and it's like, uh, sir, this is BLM land. <laughs> I have a right to be here yeah. to shoot. No, I know. I'm just, just making sure everything's kosher. And it's like, wow, we're at the point, you know, so yeah, that that the silence is is a good point that you brought up. That that's something to definitely preach. Yeah, and that that was a big um kind of priority to me because I you know I, I just hate bringing attention. Like you said, you know, even even if what you're doing is not wrong, you're not breaking any rules, you're not being irresponsible. Right. Just you know, if if someone does see you from a distance with a gun or they hear gunshots or something like that, someone who's not familiar with them or is super skittish around firearms or, you know, they, you know, then they do call the police or law enforcement to come check it out. It's just an uncomfortable interaction that you don't want to go through. And there's risk there. Yeah. Yeah. It it is. I find myself a lot of times when I'm in the, like in the desert or passing through a campground or something like that. And I, and I find other people, like even people walking dogs, and it's kind of like, oh, like that person just saw me. If they're close enough, I'll normally yell over, hey, don't worry, it's just an air gun. And then people like thumbs up, like, oh, it's cool. Yeah. You know, like, it's kind of like when you say air gun, then they're, they're oh, okay. Yeah. yeah that, like, wow, man, we're in a different time. I never used to have to do that. Yeah, <laughs> and it's funny how that works, too, because you, you could, you know, your average person, you just say, you know, oh, don't, I, I'm just going to be shooting a pellet gun, and they're like, oh, okay. But if they knew what your pellet gun could do at 400 yards, they might, <laughs> they might not be so right. <laughs> happy to have you out there. Yeah. But yeah, that, well, that, that that's when um, too much information ha- hurts you. You just, like you said, I'm just shooting a pellet gun. It's it's a harmless Walmart BB yeah. gun. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and I've run into that situation a few times myself, but. Um, yeah, I just, I, I, I hate on any, I think it's just our nature as humans. We, even though we tend to break rules, you know, a law abiding citizen still like, even if I'm not speeding or I'm like at a stoplight and I see a cop, I'm like, okay, make sure you're not doing anything wrong. Are your tags expired? Right. Do you have your license with you? Did you forget your wallet? It's like that kind of stuff runs through my head. Yeah. But yeah, me yeah, too. So it just any, any. <laughs> Any way I can avoid interactions with the law while I have a gun in my hands and a PCP, I mean, at at first glance, at, you know, especially a higher end one, they don't exactly look just like a, a pellet gun. You know, they look, especially you got a suppressor on the end there. It, it looks like a real 
pretty bad yeah. setup, you know, right. like, like a, a firearm. So, yeah, you definitely right. got to be exactly. careful with with where you're wielding it. Yeah, yeah, you do. Or, or be careful of your surroundings and who's out with you. See, I get it. <clears throat> I get it pretty bad because being here in California, it's not so much that it's anti-gun, um, which I'm not even sure if it's even really that. It's the fact that we're overpopulated. Mm. So people are everywhere. Everywhere that you, like anywhere, like say, say you, you live in Iowa. Okay, we can imagine Iowa is not really an overpopulated uh, state, mm. right? So anywhere in the city, you're not, if you go to a lake, you're not going to have, you're not going to be shoulder to shoulder with the next person. Whereas here, if you go somewhere, there's 100 million people that know that same spot or there's 50,000 that know that right. same spot. If you decide to go to the park 50 miles away here, there's 50,000 people that know about that park. And I'm not talking about air gun. I'm just saying anywhere that you go with your right. family, the movie theater, you stand more of a chance of a lot of people being around you. And what happens is with more people, you get more complaints. Yeah. Okay. Does that make sense? Your 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 success rate of finding that one person that doesn't like guns goes up exponentially because it's not that the state itself hates guns. It's we're so overpopulated with people that anywhere you go, fifty people might drive by you, but the fifty first person is the one lady who doesn't like guns and she's gonna go call right. the sheriff. And that doesn't happen all the time, but I'm just saying out here, you really have to be careful where you're shooting, where you're wielding. Like you say, you're wielding your gun, you leave your doors unlocked, mm. things like that um, are a lot worse out here than I would say somewhere like Iowa or um, Idaho or, you know, places like that, that we know are, are small in comparison right. to the population. Yeah. And that definitely makes sense. I mean, it's just at that point, it's just a numbers game before you find. And I, I think, you know, not not to get like too uh, political here, but I think a lot more people who are opposed to guns or are typically, in, you know, in places like California, and it's 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 definitely moving, yeah. you know. But I think that's that's another that's a spot where I think air guns really can serve a purpose in safely educating people on how how to use a firearm and, and getting them used to shooting and shooting practices and safe practices with just gun handling in general that could maybe kind of open some eyes or I don't know. yeah it does i actually had a youtuber two weeks ago um it was a, it was a post that was about a month old that i didn't see on youtube and i got an alert i went through my emails and saw the alert so i I go back and read, and the guy actually asked a really intelligent question, and I loved it. He asked, um, I, you know, he basically was just saying, paying homage, saying, hey, I, I see you have a lot of air guns. You seem to be well-versed, and I know you have a powder burner, burner background. He goes, but I'm just asking you a question. How does an air gun – no, he asked me, does an air gun actually make you a better – powder burner shooter and he said centerfire and he said if if it does then how and i was like wow i love mm -hmm. that question and so i responded just basically by telling him 
you know, a few physical attributes of an air gun. Number one, they're quiet. Number two, they don't have recoil. Well, right. compared to a centerfire, even big bores. Um, they don't have the range, therefore they're safer. They don't make the noise, which I already mentioned, but even without an LDC, even my big bores, people say they sound like a powder burner, but they don't quite sound mm, like a powder yeah. burner. They're just a, a loud, you know, concussion. I said, so by nature, everything is much, much quieter. I said, and they have two stage adjustable triggers. I said, so it's a better platform in the fact that you can shoot the guns without flinching, without worrying about the sound as that muzzle blast goes off, even though you have hearing mm -hmm. protection in. Um, I said they have the accuracy and the trigger. I said, so what you can do is when you shoot an air gun, especially like say an FX or Daystate, a gun that has a really light trigger and they're super accurate, that allows you to concentrate by keeping your, your line of sight through the scope after the shot. Like you squeeze the trigger, you can look through the scope the whole time the gun goes off and it's still on target. And you actually, I said, when you shoot enough, you actually start seeing little flaws in the way that you hold a gun. Like you can tell if your finger's too far in the trigger and you squeeze, you pull the gun, you're pulling the back of the gun to the right, but the front of the gun's going to right. the left. So it's like little things like that, that a powder burner, see a powder burner has too much recoil, too much force to allow you to stay in the scope the whole time. Um, and I said, and then there, and I just explained other attributes of an air gun uh, to him. And, and he was really thankful. As a matter of fact, we've been talking uh, a few times. He's asked me a lot of centerfire questions. And um, he said he had never heard it explained like that. And he says, he, he says, now, I, th I think you got me wanting to go buy an air gun. And I just started laughing. So see, the, back to your other question, you know, just explaining how a air gun helps you become a better center fire shooter, just converted a guy. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Just converted a powder burner to an air gun guy. Because he's actually been asking me, what guns do I think he should buy? Don't you love that question? What's the best gun? What's the best air gun? <laughs> yeah, oh. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you. I tell people don't ever ask that question because you're going to get somebody yeah, into seriously. a fist fight. It, yeah, it's like talking politics or religion. What's the best religion? Who's yeah. the best president? It's like nope, nope, nope. We're not going to have that conversation. <laughs> well, it's, it's an, an impossible question to answer have... too because it's like I don't know. You're going to be shooting five yards in your basement in, in the winter because you can't go outside, or are you going to be trying to? take a freaking elephant with this thing, you know, like what's your, what's your goal? Yeah. I, yeah. I think that and that goes back to what we were talking about earlier. It's that that's exactly why it's hard for me to say the perfect air gun or what's my favorite one that I have. Um, because it just depends on what I'm doing right. with it. You know what I mean? And, and they're all set up so well, that accuracy-wise, they're all great. They're all even to a degree. So I can't say one's more accurate than the other, and that's what I like about that one more than the rest of them. Um, but, like, if you ask me, like, what's your favorite air gun to shoot pigeons? Okay, now, now you're getting somewhere because now I have a 20 caliber Cometa and I have my 17 mm. HMR. I love both of those because they're, they're light recoiling, 
They have their light guns, period. The recoil is like nothing on them. They both get a good shot count. And foot pound wise, they're perfect for the right. game. You know what I mean? But if you said, well, what's your favorite gun to shoot long range? Okay, ah, now you're getting somewhere. Now I'm leaving the 17 and the 20 and the 177 out of the equation. And now I'm going to the bigger guns. And you say, well, what's your favorite pig gun? Okay, now you're getting somewhere. But if you just said, what's your favorite air gun that you have? It's like right. all of them. Yeah, that's why you have them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'll never sell them. Never sell them. I get that all the time, too. Whenever you want to sell that 257, let me know. And I'm like, yeah, yeah that's right. crazy, man. Um, how, how many uh, air guns do you yeah. think you have, Cedric? Or if you know the exact number. Oh. You know, I was supposed to do a count last night because I knew you were going to ask me that question. <laughs> um, I just added one last night, actually. I just added a brand new one. Um, I definitely would say in the 20s. That's a good amount. Yeah, it's somewhere in, in the 20s. And the funny thing you're asking me that, a lot of people think I have more air guns than mm. I do. And the reason why, like some people are like, I thought you would have 40 or 50. I'm like, no, because I have an air gun that serves every purpose. And it's like, once you have a pig gun, do you need five pig guns? No. I mean, I don't. I don't. I'm just saying me. You can buy whatever right. you want. But for me, if I have a gun that's perfect for pigs and deer, I might have one or two and that's it. And then if I need one for squirrels, I've got right. one or two of those, you know? So that's why my numbers aren't as high as people. They're like, oh, you've been in the game for over 20 some years, man. I thought you would have had like a thousand guns. Like, no, I don't even have the space for that many guns, but I think it's around 20 something because I have CO2 pistols. I have a couple of vintage guns, uh, PCP pistols. Um, so you have to include all those too. Yeah. So I have some vintage ones. I have some current CO2 gun pistols. And then, of course, I have a Springer. I have, uh, then, of course, mm -hmm. the PCPs. Well, that's 20s. a fair amount. I think I'm at three right now. So I just I just added, but I, I've got two PCPs, the very first one I bought, and then the okay. latest one. So I have a Storm Rider, uh, a Dreamline. And then I just got a little Diana Chaser. Okay. I just been messing around with that little thing. Okay. Um, so I got a, two two PCPs and one CO2, and they're just fun, man. And they definitely serve their purpose. Like I, I, I feel a lot more comfortable shooting my little, you know, Diana Chaser in the backyard than I do either right. my Stormrider <laughs> or my Dreamline, which I've done both, and I can I turned it down to low power on the Dreamline to shoot. But it's still, I mean, just a 25 caliber pellet hitting at, you know, about 500 feet per second on a backstop versus yeah. a little 177 barely making it through, uh, you know, a target or some foam and stuff like that that I made. Just a big difference, you know, draws right. much more attention. Yeah, and you seem to be a lot like me. Like, you're starting off like me. Like, you kind of have – you. I mean, even though you only have three guns, you seem like your future collection is going to consist of things that you need. Like, okay, 
now I have the backyard gun. Now I need a target gun. I need a long range EBR RMAC mm -hmm. setup gun specifically for that. And then next thing you'll need a, a big bore of some sort or whatever. Or yeah, I think that, that sounds about like probably what, what I'll, I'll do. And, and one of the reasons I got the Dreamline is because I, I can change so much on it. So I figured, you know, buy this one gun, spend 100 or $120 on a, a barrel kit that I can swap out to change the caliber if I, you know, decide I want to go for something different. So that, right. that was my – that was my – thinking on on going that route with that gun because you know i can move all the way up to 30 caliber if i want and all the way down to 177 if i really wanted but yeah there's just there's so much you can do with air guns and they're so fun so cedric before we close out officially um mm -hmm. let's see if someone is thinking of getting into air guns in general i know we kind of covered this a little bit what would be the, the three things that you would – what three three bits of information you would give them before they purchase an air gun? Um, definitely tell them to do a lot of research on YouTube and on forums. Gain some knowledge. Um, there is a wealth, a plethora of information available. Um, the other thing I, I like to tell people too is don't get caught up you know, being a newbie, don't get caught up in what you see everybody else doing um, because the air gun sport is very expensive or the hobby is very expensive. And you end up and I see this more now. Well, I've, I've seen it the whole time I've been in the air guns. I see people try to keep up with the mm -hmm. Joneses, so to speak. And I've seen new guys do that. I've seen new guys go out and get that that day state cycle. Really, your first gun's yeah. a day state. That's <laughs> a three thousand dollar, you know, and and they're into it, and they're all oh, it has this, it has this issue, it has that issue, and it's like, yeah, because you didn't do your research. Right. You you saw, you saw, ABC with with that gun, and you thought, oh, that's what I need, and without doing research, you just went and spent money. So I tell people, take your time. Um, I've been doing it for a long time, man, and there's a lot of things. You know how we always say, if I knew back then what I know yeah. now, I, def I definitely would have done things a lot different. And that, that is my one major thing is that take your time. Don't get in a rush. Don't overspend yourself because too many times people buy air guns and you know what they do a month later, they have to sell lose it. money because they didn't. Yeah. Well, they didn't tell the wife that they spent $3,000 overall on a, on a nice scope and a nice air gun and all the right. stuff to go with it. So now they have to sell it. So that's why I tell people, take your time and save your money and get what you want. That's why I say, do it in process research, decide on what you want an air gun for. Okay. I want to shoot. Let's just say I want to shoot EBR. That's what all this person wants to do. First air gun. They want to compete, find out what's out there what people are using and at the same time you're doing research start saving your money because when you do buy it's going to cost you right mm -hmm. you know what i mean so take your time don't let people don't let the joneses we call it you know keeping up with the joneses don't let keeping up with the joneses make you make bad decisions and i, I see that a lot 
a whole lot. It seems like every week. Um, but those would be my, my, my key things. Think about what you want to do with the air gun. Make an informed decision based off of extensive research. And, and don't, you know, and then save your money. Save your money to get into this. Because the thing with air guns is it doesn't right. stop. <laughs> as you know, as you know, Taylor, it yeah, doesn't stop. <laughs> it's hard to even like, you know, over if someone just said, what's a better air gun overall, a Diana Chaser or an FX Dreamline? There's no question. I'd say mm-hmm. freaking Dreamline, right. man. That's way better. Um, but I bought them in reverse order. So I bought I bought the Dreamline and then I thought, you know, I need a little bit like quieter, more backyard friendly, a little bit safer, you know, option. So I go with a little CO2 carbine, yeah. you know, and that's, it. it's, it's, I don't want to say it's a poison, but it's definitely something that gets into your bloodstream and you just can't get it out. You got to get more. Yeah. And I think that's what happens. Just like you said, when I, when I started, I was the same way I bought, I didn't go super expensive, but I bought a nice air gun. And then I realized I should have looked a little more and I should have done this. And then you buy another air gun and then you look up, you have four air guns, but you have no real (laughs) air supply. Cause now I, I only have one scuba tank. So I bought one air gun and one aluminum scuba tank. Now I have four air guns (laughs) and one, aluminum scuba tank and it's like wait a minute i did this backwards i should have bought one air gun and a carbon fiber tank first and a compressor so i kind of bought my compressor Mm. last like i had all these and all this stuff but i have no compressor and i just you know kind of kicked myself in the butt and that's the exact thing like when i tell people stuff i tell people from experience like hey dude taylor take your time save your money, do it right. Well, what do you mean do it right? Get a carbon fiber tank first, get a compressor. No, no, I want the yeah. air gun. I need that air gun. But Taylor, you, you can't supply, you can't feed the air gun if you don't have a carbon fiber tank and a compressor. So when you go out and buy the air gun, you realize, oh, shucks, that <laughs> yeah. was right. Because now I got to spend $600 on a carbon, one carbon fiber tank. I have a cool air gun and a cool scope but I have no way to supply it. And then you go and get your tank. Now you buy a tank and you go get your tank filled at XYZ dive shop. And then they start cheating you on air or they close for business. Guess what? Now you need your own source of air. So now you need a compressor and you're like, you know what? Cedric was right. I should have done this the other way. (laughs) And it happened. It happens because we all get excited. We get excited to get into the sport. It's like, hey, I want to get an air gun. I want to get in there. I want to start shooting with the guys. And it's like, no, don't don't rush yourself. The guys are always going to be there. Take your time. Buy right. Buy smart. And get started. You know, get started. Yeah, I'm, right I'm definitely guilty of that. I, I bought bought the Storm Rider before I bought anything else. Tried to fill it with a regular old air compressor. Couldn't do it. So I've definitely been there. Um <laughs> Oh yeah, it, it, we can laugh oh, yeah. at it because we've been there. It's yeah, in the it, past. It, it, that is it's a good funny. idea, though, and that, that's one of the things I hope this podcast brings to people: just um, more information and just good information about like how to make a good decision on which air gun is right for you, the order in which to get things, you know, that kind of thing, or you know, or at least get everything at the same time, 
um, you know, if, if that's kind of the, the setup you go for is just buy everything at once, that's, that's okay. But man, yeah, Cedric, I feel like we could talk for hours and hours on this stuff and we'll have to have you back for a, a part two of an episode. Um, so any, any final thoughts okay. um, or uh, things you wanted to touch on before we close out this episode? Um, first of all, I'm just going back to what I said in the beginning, I, I thank you very much uh, for inviting me to your podcast. Um, it is actually really an honor to be part of something like this. I'm glad we got together. I thank Joe Iteraldi for mm. uh, connecting us. Um, I thank you for asking Joe what I mind doing a podcast, which of course I'd love it. So a big shout out to you, Tay, even though you're right here, still a big shout out to you for um, considering me on your podcast. Um, I'll give out a couple, if you don't mind, I'll give out a couple of places. Oh yeah, please do. Yeah, me. we need that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I am too fast for you. T O F A Z F O U too fast for you on YouTube. You just go to YouTube and type in too fast for you and you'll see, uh, my videos come up. Um, I also have a blog it is too fast for you dot blog spot, B L O G S P O T one word dot com. Too fast for you dot blog spot dot com. Um, Instagram is Sophus Cedric. It's my last name, then first name S O P H U S C E D R I C. Um, and on Facebook, it's too fast for you on Facebook. And I know I'm on I'm on Gateway of Air Guns and I'm all or Gateway to Air Guns and I'm on the tag form, mm-hmm. the Talon Air Gun form. And I'm also on Yellow Form, even though I haven't been there in a while, and I'm I'm under the Too Fast for You uh, moniker or banner. So those are my social media uh, places. Awesome. Yeah. So guys, if you're not following Cedric and you want to check out some just really good content, uh, it's not just all show. Um, This guy goes over the science of it and just the good general information uh, when it comes to the specific things he's shooting. And that's what I loved about his channel. Plus he wrecks some coyotes every once in a while, which is awesome to see. Um, So Follow those, and we'll just tag you in the uh, the post here as well. So I'll put all that information down below. And um, Cedric, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. It was awesome to get to talk to um, one of the people that got me into the sport. That's just a really cool thing. Um, and I'm looking forward to having you on again. We're going to have to get some sort of a collaboration going where one of us comes to the other and we get some shooting done. Man, that sounds like a, a, a ball. I was actually supposed to be there around about this time, but because of mm-hmm. the COVID, things got uh, changed around. But I was actually going there to shoot with Joe about Dang. this month. Well, you get that rescheduled because yeah, I love to shoot, and you need to convince that guy to come onto the podcast. He's he's like, oh, no, you don't want to talk to me. Talk to this person. Talk to that person. I'm like, Joe, you know some stuff, man. I want you on there. So – Cool. Okay. Well, you get him I on here that. and uh, or convince him or threaten him, however you got to do it. But uh, 
Oh, I, I can do all of that. <laughs> well, thank you so much again, man. Uh, this was a great episode, and um, I'm really looking forward to everyone hearing this.